Okay, hello. Welcome to episode 111 of Sack King's Therapy. Triple ones uh, this episode is. And uh, unfortunately, you know, I guess just as to set the expectations for this episode, not much to talk about this episode, honestly, at all, because, oh, like the Kings and honestly, the entire NBA waiting on that Ben Simmons trade right now. And it doesn't seem to be moving anywhere. Um, yeah, so not really going to talk about Ben Simmons here. Um, I'll maybe have a bit of a snippet here. And maybe I don't have anything on my notes, actually. So, yeah, not going to be that much Simmons talk at all. Just And unfortunately, that's really put a halt into anything happening, happening in the NBA. And also, unfortunately, a, dark, a cloud kind of hangs around Sacramento right now. Because Buddy is probably, like, expecting to be traded. Bagley is expecting to be traded. And right now, there's just no deals um, out there, you know, that the, uh, Monty McNair sees fit to actually deal them for. Like, they are waiting on the Ben Simmons situation. And it just seems to be at a stalemate. So, yeah, unfortunately, a very slow week of news. But let's... uh. Let's just try and get through it. I have some notes here on my document, and we'll just kind of run through and see what we got. Well, uh, first thing I want to um, do for this episode is talk about Chris Webber. He's um, going to be in the... He's one of the finalists. I, well, I think he's actually going to be legitimately inducted into the 2021 Hall of Fame or 2022. I don't know how the years work on the Hall of Fame. Anyway, he's going into the Hall of Fame, and... You know, the first thing I gotta say, it's been long overdue. You know, he, he's had a series of controversies that's kind of held him out. Like, you know, the bit, you know, the, his college scandal where I think he lay, lied in front of a grand jury about, you know, taking money from, you know, I think it was a booster. For, uh, I can't remember his name right now. I, I just watched an episode about the beef between him and Jalen Rose. But um, yeah, so there's that controversy and you know the fact that he, he unfortunately did have a very short stint in the league like he retired really early and unfortunately you know a lot of people just don't remember him being legitimately one of the best power forwards of his era like you're talking about an era where you know you had uh tim duncan uh, depends on what you want to call him i, I kind of consider him power forward like uh tim duncan dirk Nowitzki, and uh kg like all those guys, like he was in the class with those guys was like how good he was. And, it, you know, you look at his accolades, you know, five all-star appearances. Oh, I got to pull up some of the all NBA stuff. But the point is his his peak was very short, unfortunately. And I just don't think a lot of people remember like just how good he was. And then you add the fact of the uh, the entire college scandal uh, garbage, you know, this is unfortunate. And yeah, about the college scandal, like that's that's complete bullshit. Like it, it's it's a complete travesty that college players are not getting paid for you know their hard work, you know, earning all this money for this for this you know giant of a this giant corporation that is the NCAA. And yeah, basically they're just abusing abusing uh, their athletes and not paying them dime for it. And rest of the world still kind of lets them get away with it even though they you know it's slowly starting to chip away uh, which is a good thing but yeah unfortunately that cloud kind of hangs over him and you know people use that as an excuse to not put him into the hall of fame but you know 
well, you know, well deserved. And again, long overdue. He's he should have been in the Hall of Fame a long time ago. Arguably the greatest Sacramento King of all time. I say Sacramento. Uh, Kansas City does not count, or, or the Rochester Royals do not count. Oscar Robertson was not part of the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, but and so if you take out Oscar Robertson, yeah, Chris Webber is probably the greatest king of all time, and he was he was the catalyst for you know that era of basketball and the greatest show on on the court. Like that 1996 trade that brought him to Sacramento. Let me see. 1998 trade that brought him to Sacramento changed this franchise and made them relevant. And honestly, we've never really reached those heights ever again. And uh, yeah, um, congratulations to him. And yeah, again, well-deserved. Um, okay, my next note on here. Um, so I, ha- I had a chance to listen to The Old Man and the Three, and that is J.J. Reddick's podcast. And he had Tyrese on it. Tyrese was really good, like, just... Like you can just tell how smart of a kid he is. Like he just he just seems to like have a way of speaking and just like his the way he processes like the way he talks and like kind of gives his insight on things. It's very it's definitely beyond his years. But um, what I really wanted to talk about was they did talk about you know the Ben Simmons trade. Here we go, here we go again. I said he, I wasn't gonna talk about him, but <laughs> basically. He was asked by J.J. Redick, who kind of pressed him a little bit on it, about how he feels, what it feels like to be in trade rumors. Because, you know, it's not a secret that, you know, the the Kings or the 76ers were very interested in getting Halliburton on the 76ers for Simmons. And, you know, he, t- he never, he doesn't really, Tyrese, I mean, doesn't really, like, say anything specific. He doesn't even, like, say you know what team it was to but like let's be honest we we know what the trade rumors are for and he basically is just saying like you know he doesn't believe he's going to be traded and he definitely is very very much aware of the Ben Simmons talk i've said on the last episode i am not willing to give him up for uh Ben Simmons and my stance has basically gotten even tighter on that i i do not that's the that's the pickle right now with um, Ben Simmons right now. Not a lot of teams want to give up anything for him. Like the other package, by the way, from that's very talked about a lot. Uh, Minnesota basically wants to give give the 76ers draft picks, Jane McDaniel's and Malik Beasley. Like that's like come on, <laughs> like and then but then I look back and like I, oh yeah, we'll give you Buddy Hield and Marvin Bagley. Now, I do think that's overall a better package than probably Malik Beasley and Jay McDaniels, who I love, by the way. I love Jay McDaniels. But, like, yeah, that th- this is what Ben Simmons' value is right now. Like, nobody wants to really give up anything substantial for him. Like, the Wolves don't want to give up D'Angelo Russell. We don't want to give up Tyrese Alliburton. Like, we are at a standstill. And if, the, you know, if Maury's going to, you know, keep his strong stance, which he very much should, and about what he wants for Ben Simmons. Like, at this point, like, yeah, nothing's going to happen unless something substantial changes. But, yeah, uh, Tyrese did talk about it. And, yeah, again, uh, just just listening to him talk is always a fun thing. Like, he is definitely wise beyond his years. Like, listening to him on Deuce and Moe and Old Man and the Three. Like, he just comes off as a very thoughtful, like, intelligent and, you know, is a very smart person definitely smarter you know beyond his age okay well 
uh, the well is going to run a little dry <laughs> in terms of information because I am at the end of my notes. Because guess what? There again, there just isn't much that happened. But um, so with the Ben Simmons stalemate, it, it looks like we are going to be going into training camp with what we have right now, which includes the Buddy Heald and Marvin Bagley. Now, I'm actually more like I'm actually more enthused about keeping Marvin Bagley because. You know, D'Lo and Casey have talked me into it. Like, we need a power forward. And, like, looking at this depth chart, yeah, we need a power forward. And Marvin Bagley, like, if if the Kings organization, the Kings players can convince him to just, you know, like, convince him that, you know, you're not going to find a better place for you than Sack. And because there's a need for you here, there's a city that is willing to love you if you are able to bring... T- uh, bring the city some sort of success for their basketball team. And yeah, like we need help at the power forward spot and looking at this depth chart, which I will go over now. So um, going going over the point guard position. Now I, I put Halliburton as a shooting guard. So our point guard depth chart is Fox and Davion. And if you want to put Jemise Ramsey in there as well, you can, but he is going to probably be at, in Stockton for much of the year. So I'm not gonna I'm not really gonna include him on here, but our po- our point guards that are gonna be in the rotation are gonna be Fox and Davion for sure. Uh, for shooting guards, you have Halliburton, who, by the way, I really wish like Luke Walton would start him. Like hopefully, like politics don't get in the way, and you just have, you know, Halliburton start. Have your five best players on the court at all times. Um, so it would be Halliburton, Buddy Heel. Terrence Davis. So that's three shooting guards right there. And, you know, two of which can slide to the point guard position. It doesn't, you know, like they can handle the ball, like, and, you know, run the offense decently well. Buddy's the really the only guy I never want being the point guard. So, you know, you have, you have quite a bit of depth in your uh, in your backcourt. Uh, small forwards, you can mix this in with power forwards if you want, but s- small forwards, we have uh, Harrison Barnes and Mo Harkless. And both of these guys can slide to the four as well. Like there's a bit of versatility there, but I want to see at least one more kind of that kind of player. Like, you know, about six, eight, you know, six, six. Well, Louis King's about six, six, I think with a seven foot wingspan. So like a guy like that, like would, would be ideal. Like you can put, of course you can put Louis King on here too, but he's on a two way contract. And so I wouldn't, I just wouldn't expect him to be a regular, you know, as I guess a stand. Blanking uh, uh, out on the word right now, but I wouldn't expect them to be a mainstay at that position. And honestly, I don't know if you can rely on him just yet. He did show he did show some stuff in summer league, and he was the summer league finals MVP. He got something, but I don't know if you're like he's a guy you can like truly rely on for for like you know let's say fifteen to twenty minutes a night. You know when you really need a, a something at that position. So as it stands, you might have three guys at the small forward position. Power forwards, as I mentioned, we are thin here. Like, particularly because the power forward position is kind of confusing nowadays. Like, it's ba- it's basically guys that... It's a weird tweener role where, like, you want, the, you want them to be able to play the five and the three. And because, honestly, a lot of teams, like, they play, f- like, threes at the four position nowadays... And this position has become kind of obsolete, but you do need somebody there to just eat up minutes. And I, and you know, as it stands, it looks like Bagley is probably going to be the small, starting small forward. 
if he is going to stay on this team with uh, Metsu backing him up. Like, I don't think it's as, as big a deal that you're missing a power four because, I, you know, I'm, I don't want to really do this. Like, you can play Barnes at the four. You can play Harkless at the four. It's just that I don't want to play them there full time. You need somebody there to eat up minutes. And Bagley is good for that. Metsu is good for that. And although I would prefer Metsu to be a little bigger, he is kind of small for the power forward position. But, like, I think you still need someone at this position. Position, And if Bagley is willing to buy in, he is perfect for that position. Just to eat up minutes. And, you know, if he's got things going, like, maybe Luke will finally play him the fourth quarter and not, you know, piss off the ent- entirety of Team Bagley. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So then, to the last position, centers. Oh, there's a lot of guys here. And unfortunately, I don't think a lot of them can play the power forward position, which is why you need someone uh, at the power forward position. But as it stands, our center rotation, who I assume are going to all play at some point. You have Rashawn Holmes, Tristan Thompson, Alex Lent, and Damian Jones. And, you know, you have Nimi Keita there as well. Like, although he's another guy that's on a two-way contract, I don't know how much he's going to play for the Sacramento Kings. Oh, I also forgot to mention uh, Robert Woodard's going to be, you know, could be an option at the four. But, you know, he he's, he's not big enough to be a four, really. And, like, man, he was kind of a mess at Summer League. He's going to need a little fine. He's going to need a lot of fine-tuning in the G League. So I don't expect him to be there as well. But as it stands for centers, we have four rotational centers. Unless Luke is going to go crazy and just play one of these guys at the four, like maybe play Rashawn at the four and like maybe play Len, like him and Len together. Like, although the spacing would be pretty atrocious in this lineup, but you know, maybe that's an option. But yeah, like we have a lot of centers and I assume one of them will be gone. Like when, when we made the Tristan Thompson trade, I was expecting that to be part of a bigger move. But as it stands right now, it looks like we're going into training camp with him. And he has posted, I think, something on Instagram with him and King's gear. So it looks like he's here to stay, guys. Like, you know, I don't I don't know what to think. Like, you know, but he could help. The, he could help the Kings if he's willing to kind of, you know, play his role. But, you know, again, we have a we have an absolute like overflow of centers and yeah hopefully you know at least something happens because as it stands right now the roster is pretty unbalanced particularly around the power four and the wing spot so we'll see how this goes but you know for people who are saying like you know this is just like the old like the team from last year it's really not like you're at you're adding terrence davis you know and you're adding harkless and you're you know, Mets, who was not part of the rotation at the beginning of the year last year, and you're adding in Len, Damian Jones, and Tristan Thompson. Like last year, we were starting with Bielitsa and Hassan Whiteside and Corey Joseph. And like across the board, you bring up those three names, I feel like we, we upgraded in all three of those positions. Although although the uh, the Bielitsa one might be a bit of a myth, you know, it might you know, we might have kind of downgraded there unless Bagley is going to show something. But, like, across the board, you have way more depth. Like, if you guys were counting, that's 13 playable players. Although, again, a lot of definitely and definitely too many centers. But, like, you, we have a good amount of depth that you can kind of shuffle around and get creative with lineups. But, yeah, I think the one thing if I could, like, just have the Kings do is just add another wing. Like, unless, like, unless, like, Louis King's gonna legitimately be someone, you're just so thin at that position, and, 
you know, that would be if I was to, you know, say the kings need this, that's what they would need. That's enough uh, Kings talk, and in fact, that's all I have for Kings talk. Because again, no Ben Simmons, nothing has really happened, unfortunately. So uh, let's move on to the second uh, topic that you know usually comes up in on this episode or on the on this podcast. And one thing I keep telling Fong to uh, watch, but he refuses to uh, wrestling. So AEW uh, All Out 2021 happened this past uh, weekend. And it was a big show. Like, it was basically, you know, the main takeaways. CM Punk's first match. Um, you know, CM Punk's first match. Ruby Soho debuted, although unfortunately overshadowed by the other two big events, which was Adam Cole Bebe debuting. And also Daniel Bryan debuting. Like, I, I was of the mind that they should have staggered these because... Like, you know, unfortunately, Ruby Soho and was the one that was completely overshadowed. And um, her debut was completely overshadowed by the other two. And then, of course, Adam Cole's debut literally gets about two minutes worth of shine. And then immediately is completely blown out of the water by uh, by Daniel Bryan. Like, I just thought, like, staggering these gives a little bit more, like, love to, you know, each one of these individual wrestlers. Like, Ruby Soho could really use a lot of, you know... A, a lot of attention right now especially because like it, it, honestly like let's be honest the women's division is not good like it just seems like there's miss they're just misusing a lot of guys or a lot of gals in that division like no one there's not that many characters there's not that many storylines i was really annoyed of how like how hikaru shida got eliminated i'm a fan of hers and just unceremoniously i think dumped out by uh Isla Rose, like, you know, no fanfare. And then Riho had, had her own weirdness, just where she wasn't eliminated, but for some reason was ruled by the refs to be eliminated. That was weird. Like, you know, it, you know, if, if it was only Ruby Soho who, you know, debuted it at the show, like, you could finally get some, get a spotlight on that division, on that division. And, you know, she injects, you know, much needed life in that division as well. But, you know, unfortunately, she, her, her uh, debut was completely overshadowed, as I as I just mentioned. And, but like, I, I get I get the I get the other side of this, which is like this, you know, All Out is essentially AEW's kind of WrestleMania, right? Like, you know, in 2017 or 2018, I don't remember. Like, the first All Out event was you know groundbreaking. Like the first uh, the first was it the first non WWE event since WCW to sell out a 10,000 seat arena. It really like represented kind of the shift of like, you know, of kind of an alternative to WWE at that point. And it kind of is their WrestleMania in a way. And, you know, I get it. Like you, you want to like, you want to hit it, hit it with like, end it with a bang. And boy, did they have one. Like in the main event, Adam Cole shows up, you know, literally like two weeks ago, he was in the main event of uh, NXT TakeOver... I god damn it! I can't. I just completely banked down on what it was. I want to say thirty six, but I'm not sure if it's thirty six. But he was just he was just there, basically, and now he now he's an AEW. Like he is like he's not as like 
famous he's in terms of like the mainstream like wrestling audience like the casual fans like unless like they have really good memory and re- remember when he wrestled you know ironically daniel bryan on that episode of smackdown and was a huge star during that survivor survivor series period but like in terms of the mainstream casual wrestling fans he's not that famous but he is an indie legend and again he was just at you know um at the biggest uh wwe indie event which is you know nxt like he is a beloved wrestler and like he has a lot of name value within that community and now they wwe just kind of let him let him slip through their fingers and now he's at AEW. and then to really add insult to injury like daniel bryan he was like to me he was up in like this what how would i say it he's in that kind of uh randy orton stratosphere where you're, you're he's definitely a star but like he's not a top top star but like he definitely was a star i feel like in the company uh, as seen like by upper management but also like amongst the fans and like he was just at wrestlemania like a few months ago he made event at night two of wrestlemania and you know he was a very prominent name and now he, now he's at AEW. like if I really hope that this brings about another shift in terms of ratings, in terms of I guess the wrestling wars right now. Although they're not going head to head, it's it, like don't get it twisted. This is not the Monday Night Wars. They're not even on the same night, anyways. And you know, is this going to be a start of a shift? Because you know, on top of all that, CM Punk comes back and has his you know his first match in seven years, and. Like, if this isn't going to, like, create a shift towards AEW in terms of, like, the momentum, yeah, I don't know what else would, like, you know, accomplish that at this point. But right now, like, it's 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 incredible, like, if you're an AEW fan. And, you know, WWE kind of needs, like, kind of needs, a, you know, a shock, a sh- kind of someone to basically light a fire under their ass because, boy, the product looks terrible. And, you know, coming off of, coming off of this, they actually had a pretty... A decent episode of Raw, but like the the bar is so low now. Like, you know, AEW is able to put out this incredible show with incredible debuts, and they have a wet fart of it of a TV program like following that up. Like, and it's, it's not a good look for them. And you know, and, and again, don't get it twisted. It's not like AEW is going to put them out of business anytime soon. WWE is too powerful and has too much money to ever go out of business. But like. I mean, this is this is a, a big shift uh, in terms of like the wrestling war, and uh, I'm I'm very curious to see like what the ratings are for Dynamite. Um, I'm recording this on a Thursday, so I don't think they're out yet, but it should it should definitely be out by Friday. Um, in terms of what I thought about the show, you know, I didn't catch all. I'll admit, I didn't catch all of the show. I I only really watched the uh, CM Punk match because I was really just intrigued. I you know like. Again, I, I was not the biggest CM Punk guy. Like, I, I mean, I was kind of a fan of him in the 2011s, but like, it's been long enough where I don't really remember what he was like. I remember him being very good on the mic, and he's been great on the mic. But like, in terms of his wrestling, like, I've never really paid attention to it, and I just wanted to see, like, you know, kind of have a little bit of a refresher. And yeah, he was good. Like, I really like that match. Like, it was a bit slow, but, like, Darby Allen is really good at selling. And, you know, <laughs> CM Punk is, you know, that, like, really was really good, well-paced. That match was really well-paced. And you got a good credit to CM Punk for that. 
And you know he, he, you know he's a great character, a great like just all the charisma in the world, and you know he got me into that match. I mean, there was no way Darby Allen was ever going to win that match, but like they had a few near falls, like it was really cool. And uh, yeah, no, other than that, I didn't really watch any other match. Nothing really intrigued me enough to actually sit and watch it. But like, I mean, that that's kind of what I want to bring up. Like, you know, you have the debuts of like two huge stars and you have the return of you know the 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 poster child for anti-wwe sentiment you know all debut all come back and just completely just like you know send wrestling twitter into overload and i'm sorry ruby soho i wanted to give her more love but it's unfortunate she just got overshadowed but by basically the two debuts at the end and cm punk but like yeah i mean like you know why not sometimes like you know, i would have pref- i would have like recommended staggering these appearances but they just went all in on this show and you know ironically and yeah it was a good show and uh, hopefully this leads to even you know better things uh, dynamite was okay this this um this or this past wednesday and you know minoru suzuki and i was actually really ex- excited for the minoru suzuki and john moxley fight but like, I don't know if it was the finish, like, just what Moxley's finisher looks like. It just looks like a double underhand suplex. It's supposed to be, like, a really nasty DDT, like a paradigm shift, I think is what his move's called. And, and like, I was just surprised that it ended with that. I thought it was, I thought it was gonna, I was hoping for it to be a better match, but, you know, it is what it is. But, like... Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what the rating for Dynamite is. And uh, hopefully this does represent another culture shift. Because, yeah, WWE just needs some something. Like, their their product right now is so bad and so stale. Like, they they need a sh- they, they, they need something. And, a- and if AEW is going to actually be able to threaten them, like, maybe that's what they need. And uh, hopefully that leads to a better wrestling product. And... Uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see what what happens after this. Okay, well, that's all I have. Uh, sorry for this rather, you know, disorganized episode. And honestly, like, where I'm honestly not talking about much at all. Well, unfortunately, the the rest of the world is waiting on Ben Simmons, on that Ben Simmons situation to resolve itself. And hopefully, we can find a way to get him to the Kings and not have to give up Halliburton or Davion. Or Fox, for that matter. But it's looking more and more unlikely at this point. It looks like we will be going into training camp without Ben Simmons and with Buddy Heald and uh, Marvin Bagley. We'll see how things change in the coming weeks. Training camp is at the end of the month, and it's getting it's getting late early. So, yeah. Uh, thank you for listening to, the, to this episode. Next episode, we, we should have Fong back. He, he is back now. He was went on vacation but he is back and uh hopefully something happens so we have something to talk about next episode 